Hey, morning, Freeway. Uh, certainly good to be able to be back once again. Just want to add uh, my welcome to the one that Sandy has already given to you. It's good just to be able to keep our normal rhythms of our, of our Sunday practice, uh, of coming together, uh, of hearing God's Word, of being able to worship and pray. A little uh, different context, though. Uh, not what we'd call ideal, I guess. We'd much prefer to be together as God's gathered people, but um, it's so good to be able to have the means uh, to be able to come to you like this. We're using that phrase, uh, one church in many homes. I just wanted to um, take a, a brief uh, little time before we get into the message, and that's just to thank our, our tech team and our worship team. They've been Awesome. Some of them have had to step up and do a lot more work and others of them have actually had to let go and step away and not do anything so that we can uh, create a safe environment so that we can have the right uh, social distancing here and be kind of responsible in how we too participate in flattening the curve of, of this virus but still being able to uh, bring uh, a Sunday morning to you. So uh, I know that there's kind of grief in not being able to come and and participate, but uh, I just want to thank those who have made that sacrifice. What is good, though, is to know that some of you are out there and online, so I don't know if we've heard uh, from anyone to say uh, anybody's tapped in. We have. Do we know who's watching this morning? Can I... Tim and Trish are online, so that's good. But anyway, good to have some of you, uh, g'day Tim and Trish, uh, online. Um, though last week, oh, I just want to say that last week we had people from, um, did my head in, all over the place. We had some people in Northern America, we had people in the Philippines, uh, we had people in different places around Australia. So also, if you're not part of our normal freeway family but you found us online, we just want to say it's a great privilege to be able to share and provide this for you and it's probably, I guess, one of the benefits uh, that we've been forced into uh, by this thing. Hey, <clears throat> let's pray and we're going to get into this passage uh, from Matthew's Gospel where Jesus addresses the issue of anxiety and look at how it is that anxious people, who, people who are feeling anxious in an extremely uh, uh, anxious, anxiety-producing climate can actually kind of have this uh, non-anxious posture uh, as we deal with what's going on. So let's pray, and then we'll get to work. Loving God, we must confess, or I certainly confess, that uh, my heart is prone to feeling anxious, that it feels uh, a flush, if you like, of insecurity when we just realise how fragile uh, we are. But my soul is restored in the knowledge that you are mindful of me, declares the psalmist. That you know where my insecurities lie and that you move toward me with love and truth and a knowledge that casts out all fear, that casts out all anxieties. So as we look to your word to us this morning from Jesus himself, would it be a warm blanket to our souls? Father, we thank you that because of Jesus we are not alone uh, in this that we have you, you are, we are your children. We have unlimited, unending uh, access to your care and your love for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Well, our passage today uh, in the circumstances and, uh, and everything that's going on is almost cliche. It's probably why it came to my mind almost instantly to, to preach on, you know, this unfolding environment uh, that the coronavirus has, has created, disease that's attached to us is certainly causing within us an amount of anxiety uh, that we haven't seen before, but we, we get to see it now sort of uh, physically manifesting itself. The internal feelings are coming out. People are panic buying, they're, 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 they're going to war over things like uh, toilet paper and now we've got people in lines at Centrelink wondering what their futures and, and that are going to look like. And I reckon if I had said to you or someone had said to you, hey, what do you think Mason's going to uh, preach on this Sunday? Uh, what do you think he'll address? I imagine that the answers would have lived in that topical space of, of anxiety, of concerns. They, they would have been common as, as people kind of thought, oh, I wonder what we're going to deal with. So it's kind of no surprise, really, that we're looking at considering Jesus' words to us and our relationship with anxiety. With all, as I said, we've always been unfolding on the TV, our social media, and our, our news outlets and all that kind of stuff uh, coming at us about the scope and the reach of this virus and its capacity to just take whatever it wants. It can take your job. It can take uh, your superannuation. It can take your life if it feels so inclined. Anxiety in that kind of environment is somewhat of a forgivable, somewhat of an expected response for us to have. So my question that I thought about was, well, where does Jesus get off saying, uh, in no uncertain terms, he's not ambiguous about it, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious in, in the way you speak or about things that are going on. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, what, what lies ahead, what new news report is going to come out, what new lockdown measures we're going to be facing. Maybe Jesus had just kind of overlooked the year 2020 and the climate we would find ourselves in. Not likely. And just as unlikely is it that Jesus is actually saying here being anxious is, is not something you, you, you should not experience. It's not something that he finds unreservedly unacceptable and inappropriate. In fact, having concern for how you will feed yourself, how you will clothe yourself, speaking out aloud those concerns in, in what we would probably call prayer, Sharing those concerns, making plans into the future is actually congruent and falls in line with quite a deal of the rest of Scripture. And if you were to read through Proverbs and Psalms, it's full of instructions to be good stewards of our time and our resources, to be prepared for the future, to be concerned for the future is actually practical wisdom applied in our lives. And then we get Jesus saying in places like where he says things like, no one, no one would uh, build a house or start a project without first thinking about all the concerns that lie in it. No one would go to war against uh, another nation without first thinking about the calculations, the concerns, making solid plans. But here it's very clear that Jesus says, don't be anxious. In fact, when you get something repeated in Scripture three times in such a short space of time, it's hard to avoid the, the certainty of it. We must take note. We must uh, apply it. We must live accordingly, particularly given that it's Jesus who's actually speaking. And yet, I find myself anxious in varying degrees. It's hard to simply not 
be anxious. So what is Jesus saying? I think it's very helpful to realize that just like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount to which this bit of Jesus' teaching finds itself, where it comes from, Jesus is using symptoms to bring to light deeper heart issues so that we can deal with that and then be set free from the symptom that arises. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been dealing with the condition of our heart. Throughout the Sermon uh, on the Mount, Jesus has been making it clear uh, that the way people who live in the new reality that He is bringing, in the new life that He is bringing, are to have their lives, they will have their lives set free from destructive actions such as murder and adultery and lying. This doesn't happen through their white-knuckled uh, determination, their behavior modification, their compliance with a set of rules, but rather having uh, what their heart sets its strongest affections on, what its heart sets its deepest desires on, having the deepest motivations of their hearts transformed by something on offer that is greater than their own initiatives, greater than what they can muster up in and of themselves. It's actually a warm blanket to an anxious heart. Because Jesus is not actually saying, don't be anxious like there's nothing to be anxious about. Jesus is not asking you just to suck it up and push on, you know, stiff upper lip like a stoic worldview would. He's not asking you to, to sit back in resigned resignation like, ah, oh, well, what can we do? It, is, it will be what it will be, like a, a karmic worldview. He's not asking you to detach from reality like it's all an illusion, uh, as a Buddhist worldview might. He's not telling you that you need better systems, better rules, as a secularist might. But rather what he's asking us to do is to actually examine anxiety. It is real. And it does feel overwhelming. It ignores all the normal rules and structures. However, there is a cure for an anxious heart. There is a way to have a non-anxious posture in an overwhelmingly uncertain time. And that is why Jesus says, do not be anxious. I know for myself, or this is what I've found in myself, it's not so much that I've been caught out by uh, anxiety over the past few weeks. That's normal. That's to be expected. But more confronting to me is what my anxiety has been attached to. It's brought into the cold light of day, not so much some uh, abstract uh, or rational fears, but what it's exposed is disordered loves. Uh, and securities that my heart has managed to camouflage under various unchallenged disguises. And what I think, uh, this is what I think Jesus is driving at here. Anxiety brings to light the idols of our heart. It exposes what we love, what we pour our lives into, what we worship. And as those idols are taken from us, we become anxious. If we have placed too much of our security in them, Jesus is exposing how anxiety can point to disordered loves and misplaced worship. He is saying we need to have our hearts reprioritized, reordered in a way in the way they ultimately rest and what they find rest in. Jesus is using anxiety here as a diagnostic tool for a spiritual condition. Where is our meaning? Where do we find our greatest security? Where does our ultimate hope lie? What is the, the, the default positions of our heart? Does my ultimate security, my ultimate sense of hope rest in the temporal 
Or is my ultimate sense of security resting in something more lasting, more permanent, more qualified to handle these uh, insecurities of my heart? What Jesus says to the anxious heart there in verse 26, essentially, just take a breath, just, just breathe. And, and, and look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? This is not an economic statement. It is a, it's a relational one. And even though God places extraordinary value on the created order uh, in its forms and kinds, Jesus is, is, is drawing us to, to think relationally here. He says, yes, God has a, a strong relationship with the, with, the, with the world, you know, the mountains and the valleys, the rivers and the oceans, and all the creatures that live within all these things. He created them and he called them good, and he told humanity to care for them and to look after them and steward with them, and that was good. However, relationally... God has placed a more significant value, more significant dignity on people. He made us in his image, in his likeness. And rather than just being there to point to the greatness and the goodness of God, as God's creation does, we are actually invited in to share the goodness and the greatness of God, to experience God in deep personal relationships, to know his love and to find our deepest needs and fiercest desires met there and to be satisfied. Jesus is not merely saying, just, just take a casual look at the birds and say, oh, in that, well, you know, they're doing all right. What, you know, what am I worried about? The word look here is not passive, it's active. It means to consider, to, to do some thinking about what you see. If God puts in place, holds in place a universe that looks after birds, that provides for birds and their needs, and he has the relationship that he has with them, how much more does he direct that same capacity to someone who he wants a personal relationship with? Someone he has created to know him and enjoy him forever. Someone who is designed to have their, their, their deepest meanings and fiercest desires satisfied by knowing Him. When anxiety begins to grip your heart because you are losing things you love because you, and you are grieving things that you have lost, things that you just assumed were just going to be there forever, were going to be permanent, things that you have uh, unknowingly, if you like, placed your ultimate meaning and security in, Jesus is saying, do not let these things cause overwhelming anxiety in you. Yes, they're real. Yes, they're saddening. Yes, they call grief. But here's what he says. You have a heavenly Father. You have a heavenly Father. Jesus wants you to, to use the birds and their security to think about your heavenly Father and your security. The God behind all this viability... Uh, that powerfully but effortlessly makes provision for birds of the air is not actually some impersonal force, but rather relates to you as a father. And this father is still in place. He is the one constant, the one permanent. Jesus is speaking to an audience, uh, to people who understand that God is eternal, 
that he is unshakable, that he is the great I am. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's there before the mountains were born. He's everlasting to everlasting. But what is so stunningly, uh, wonderfully reassuring is that this great, powerful God is actually your Father. How much more will God, who is as a Father, not be caring, not be concerned for you? How much more will He not be there for you? And Jesus says, as you consider the ordered nature of creation and how this Father provides for it, think about the fact that God, your Heavenly Father, uh, gives beauty and value to even things like flowers and who haven't earned it, who haven't toiled, who haven't done any spinning, and yet... God puts his care and concern to things like grass and flowers, which are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. A real vivid description of their transient nature. If God puts his attention to even things that are temporal, even things that we can throw away, how much more will he be attentive to you who he made to know forever? His care is not based on your merit, but based rather on His goodness and His greatness. That is peace for an anxious heart. And Jesus says, O ye of little faith. This is a faith issue. It's an issue of where you place your hope and security and well-being. Is it in the things that are here today and gone tomorrow? Is it in things that something like this pandemic just comes along and threatens to take? Or is it in your, in your good and heavenly Father? Jesus' command to not be anxious causes us to consider where we place our hope, where we place our security, and to take stock of what's going on in our heart uh, and, and what we prioritize. You know... Um, I have the privilege, if you want to call it that, of of spending time with people as they approach death. Uh, And in my limited time in in these encounters with people, people, uh, they talk about how they wish they spent less time worrying about temporal things. They, They talk about how they wish they spent less time worrying about things they couldn't control. But they then talk about how they wish they'd spent more time with God. They wish they'd spent more time in prayer. They wish they'd spent more time reading His Word. They wish they'd spent more time in family relationships. You see, death is the great prioritizer, but death lacks opportunity. Anxiety caused by something like this, uh, the coronavirus, and dealing with the, the deadliness of its contagion and, 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 and what it can do to us actually serves to bring this conversation forward. We should steward this time rather than just be controlled by anxiety. We, we should use this as an opportunity to go, how do I reprioritize my hearts? Why is it that I'm feeling anxious in this time? Jesus says, don't be anxious. Rather, allow, allow anxiety to consider why it is you are anxious. Is your heart just merely trusting in things uh, that it was not designed to trust in? It's time to have your heart reprioritized. You have a Heavenly Father with whom a relationship is of far more worth and far more comfort than you ever dare to imagine. 
whose commitment to you is far more enduring than anything uh, this world can offer. Jesus is redirecting the priorities of our hearts to things that are permanent and things that bring us life and not anxiety. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Here's the positive counterpart to the negative command. Stop being anxious by giving your heart a greater thing to consider, a greater thing to seek. This is not a promise of if you're a good practicing Christian, God will give you the desires of your heart. No, this is as your heart has become reprioritized by knowing God as Father, it desires the things that God designed it to find life in. And your Father knows what you need, says Jesus. And what we need most is to know God, the God of creation, not as some abstract, distant, transcendent God, some powerful but unconcerned God, some force behind things, but rather we need to know God as Father and to seek Him and to be loved by Him and to enjoy Him. And here's the thing. The one who is asking us to have our hearts reprioritized, the one who is asking us to find this relationship with the Father, is himself the great reprioritizer, is himself the one who brings us to the Father. Jesus does not say, now go off and run and try and get this done in your own strength. No, that's, that's the kind of anxiety that he's calling us away from. No, Jesus says, actually, I am the way to the Father. In John 14. And Jesus says that I have come that you might have life in the full there in John 10. And that life in the full is not more of what you already have. Not more of what you can lose. Not more of the things that give you anxiety. But a new quality of life that is missing. That you were designed for. Peace with God through Jesus. The one telling us not to be anxious is God's great Prince of Peace that Isaiah spoke of some 800 years prior. The one telling us not to be anxious is who Paul speaks of in Romans 5 and tells us that the peace of our souls comes from knowing what Jesus has done for us to bring us back into relationship with God. Jesus did not come into the world merely to be an an example of what a non-anxious life in relationship with God looks like. That we would have to go then and try and replicate No, He came to give us one. He came to make it a new reality in our hearts. You see, Jesus is not a coach. He's not an instructor. He's not a cheerleader to an anxious heart. He's the saviour of an anxious heart. His great claim is that all those who find uh, Him far more, a far more desirable security for their souls than what they could build for themselves will actually find peace there will be given the same quality of relationship that he has with the Father. You see, Jesus went through anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane so that you and I could know peace. Jesus lost everything on a cross so that you and I could gain everything. Jesus was cut off from the Father so that you and I could be brought near. And Jesus took the wrath of God toward people who love stuff more than him that causes anxieties in our heart so that we could know the love of the Father and experience a non-anxious posture in our hearts. When it comes to not being anxious, the work has been done for us on our behalf. And to the degree that your heart seeks after this, 
to the degree that your heart seeks this over all other concerns will be the degree that you know peace. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you uh, that you are intimately engaged in all of life's uh, circumstances and that you haven't stayed distant, that you have come into the world in the person of Jesus to let us know that you uh, understand all that we face, to let us know that you, you understand all that we experience. We thank you that Jesus was not merely just a good example or a model of your care, but actually became the saviour of our hearts and our souls, that we might rest in him. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, burdened, and I will give peace for your soul. That's the great promise of Jesus, that we would lay down the idols that we build uh, in place of God and surrender them and replace them, have them reprioritized with a relationship with God through Jesus. It's the great claim of the gospel. It's the great message of the church to an anxious world. Pray that that would be real in increasing measure in people as we move forward. We thank you for this time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.